Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're feeling good today. How's everybody doing at this 11 o'clock service? Come on. Yeah. Hey, it is so good to be with you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Whether you're a regular attendee or a first-time guest, a special welcome to you. What we like to say around here, welcome home. So, hey, can you look at your neighbor to your left or to your right and just say, hey, welcome home. So good to see you. Well, if this is your first time with us, and if you want to find out more about what welcome home means around here, we would love to connect with you. If you have questions about faith, your next steps in faith, or about small groups or children or students, uh, we would love to answer those questions for you or even pray with you and your family. You can fill out a connect card. You can find this connect card, this green uh, card behind several of the seats. Please fill that out and you can drop that off uh, before you go at any of the doors at the White Buckets. Uh, If you are with us online, hey everybody, say hello to our online family watching all over the world. Same goes for you. Welcome back. Welcome home. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are. And this is your first time tuning in with us. Thank you so much. Right now, a digital card is popping up. Please fill that out. And if you want a gift sent in the mail, please click that option. And also, if you are a first time guest here today, we also have a gift for you. And you can go to any of our lobbies, grab a box or a bag from us. You'll find those on the wall. Just a small thank you from us to you for visiting today. Uh, Well, as we continue in our uh, worship service, our next um, avenue of worship right now is going to be through our tithes and offering. And before we give you some of the ways that you can partner with Calvary in the area of generosity and tithes and offering, I just want to share a quick story uh, that we just got this weekend from one of the ministries uh, that um, that we are a part of here at Calvary through our Serve 336 project. And you can find out more information about that on serve336.com. And uh, we have a, an outreach every single Saturday to Smith Homes. And we got a letter from one of those recipients that's been attending this outreach for, for about eight years, as long as the ministry has been going through one of our Calvary members, Linda Nelson and her team. And check out what this recipient said about what we get to do um, through that team. She says this, I've been coming for eight years to this outreach. Rain, sleet, or snow. I, I hear people say all the time what a blessing it is to get food and clothes. I bring some kids with me, and these are not her kids, but she says every week I bring some kids with me, and I told one of them that Linda, the team leader, won't be there this particular Saturday. Check out what this this little girl said. She said, well, who's going to talk about Jesus then? I told her there will be someone there that will. She goes on to continue in the letter. People come from afar, and we are grateful for the people that take the time to come out from Calvary Church to bring supplies and food. We're grateful to Linda and her team for starting this ministry with the help of Jesus. So listen, thank you, Linda. Thank you, team. But thank you, Calvary. 
for your generosity. Because, because of you, these are the things that we get to, to do. And so there's a few ways you can connect with us through your tithes, offering, or even kingdom builders. And you can find out more information through calvarytriad.church slash give. calvarytriad.church slash give. And uh, give you the information on uh, different avenues to give and our different programs that give. Also, if you want to text to give, you can also do that by texting your amount to 8 Four, three, two, one. Well, thank you in advance for partnering with us as we partner with God to make an impact here in the triad and all over the world. Would you check out the screen to find out what's going on here at Calvary this week? Hey everyone, I'm Shannon. Welcome to Calvary and thanks for worshiping with us today. There's a lot happening at Calvary, so we wanted to take a few minutes and share a couple things coming up for you and your family. So check this out. You've probably noticed by now that we're ramping up for our fall season of small groups. Here at Calvary, small groups are a big deal. Jesus himself modeled this for us in his life and ministry, and we believe there's no better way to follow Jesus than to grow in our relationships with each other. You can find all of our groups online at calvarytriad.church forward slash groups. Join one today and find God through connection with others. We're better together. Today's a very exciting day here at Calvary as we get to welcome our new kids pastor, Tiffany Cantana, her husband, Matthew, and their two kids, Mia Bella and Mason. This is their first Sunday with us. So if you see them, introduce yourself and welcome them to the family. They've literally moved all the way across the country to be with us. So please pray for them as they transition into this new season. Speaking of kids ministry, we love our Calvary kids and we want to see them grow up in the Lord. If you are interested in serving in that area and helping our kids follow Jesus, we would love to have that conversation with you. Please visit us at calvarytriad.church forward slash teens and fill out the form to let us know that you'd like to serve in Calvary Kids. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at calvarytriad.church and on Facebook and Instagram at calvarytriad. God wants to speak to you today, and our prayer is that you grow in the knowledge of who He is and His plan for your life. Let's prepare our hearts for God's Word. Well, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. We just figured that the video wasn't quite good enough for you guys this morning here. So let me do the uh, honor here. Calvary Church, would you welcome our new kids pastor and her husband, Pastor Tiffany and Matthew Quintana. So it's, it's funny, we, we've been joking, the, the video said traveled literally all across the, the, the country from Fresno, California, here to Greensboro, and we're just so excited to be able to be with you guys, and you have, you being here with us in this next chapter of your lives, we're so excited. Tell us about yourself, Pastor Tiffany, and your family, don't, don't have the kiddos here this morning, uh, but yeah. they're, they're already checking out Kidmen, right? Yeah, they're plugged in. They were having too much fun in kids' church, so that's where they're at, but we're, we're just so excited to be here, and we're ready to serve. We're really excited. Being in this house, it definitely feels like home, so thank you all so much for making us feel welcome, and we're just ready to go. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So Pastor Tiffany and Pastor Matthew, Pastor Matthew uh, served at the church there in Fresno as the youth pastor and executive pastor. And this next season of his life is, uh, looks like being involved with the Greensboro Police Department. And so we talked about it the last couple of weeks. Yeah. 
So you guys, you guys didn't even know this. We talked about in the last couple of weeks about how that our calling stays the same, even though our assignments are differently. And you're kind of living that out right now, Matthew. And, and uh, we just honor you for following the voice of the Lord. Didn't give you a chance to say hi this morning or early service. So we'll let you just say hi and, and just kind of tell about the journey you've been on with, with God too. And Yeah. Um, I mean, God is good, right? Yeah. Um, I can tell you that uh, becoming a police officer here in Greensboro is, is definitely God-ordained, and uh, I've been wanting to be an officer for a long time, and he put that on my heart as a kid, uh, even before I knew the Lord, and even more so now that I follow him, I'm just being obedient. And we are, like she said, really happy to be here. We've already met a few of you, and you guys have come and shook our hands and loved on us, and we just really appreciate you guys are amazing people. Awesome, awesome. So before they step down, and we've all, and I, I actually heard in early service that uh, Pastor Ani and the team over there have already got little surprises for you. So they, I don't know whether it's like rookie hazing or what taking place over there, but they've already greeted our new kids pastor, and we'll tell stories about that later. But I just want to say on behalf of this this family here and the pastoral staff to you, Pastor Tiffany, and to you, Matthew, as well that uh, it's an honor for us to join our hearts together with yours and, and uh, in this effort of reaching the next generation for Jesus. And we know that God has a call of God on both of your lives. And I don't take that lightly. We've, we've kidded back and forth because I know her dad and mom pretty well. And uh, that's tough from a family standpoint to, to say goodbye and uh, say that with all sincerity and understanding you as moms and dads in the room. No, however, the call of God and obeying the call of God is paramount. And we honor you for your obedience in that. Not because we are going to be beneficial or beneficiaries of it, although that's kind of awesome, right? But just to say thank you for being a model of obedience. And this family and, and myself and Kim especially we just, we're honored to join our hearts together with you for many, many years and decades to come. Do you like that? So uh, we're just, uh, we're so honored to partner together with you and the call of God that's on both of your lives. And we love your family already. Looking forward to a lot of years to come. Can you give them a hand clap and just greet them one more time? I love you guys already. Yep. We're proud of you. Yep. Awesome. So incredible. Uh, it's fun to have new chapters and new seasons of life. And um, I was walking through the hall just a minute ago between the early and, and uh, uh, this service here and some of the guys that were helping back at Kids Church, they were showing me the remnants of the, the blessing that they're in whatever with Pastor Tiffany. So we'll have to hear stories. I guess they asked her like favorite foods and candy or something. And then they were gonna give that to her except they gave it to her all blended up in like a milkshake all together. And, and as true kids pastor champion, she just took it and said, all right, let's go. And so, I, man, I'm so glad I'm here on this stage and not that one. So it's a little bit different ministry style, I would, I would think. So, man, it's just good to be with you. Thank you for letting uh, me last week just uh, have a little bit of freedom in our ministry styles. We had some guests with us some of, of my friends from years, years gone by, and uh, just kind of to model in front of you what a healthy small group looks like. And I just want to tell you, if you haven't heard this phrase, you'll begin to hear it more often around here, and you'll see it on t-shirts all over, that we really believe that small groups are a big deal. 
And this past week, we've had different small groups that launched here at Calvary. On Tuesday night, we had several groups. And then Wednesday nights, we had several, several groups. Wednesday night, we had several groups here meeting. And the reason why that's important, I'll say this so many times, I want you to get it, is that experience God, follow Jesus, serve others. It's not just a cute phrase. It's actually the pathway for us to be stronger disciples of Jesus. We believe that God's word says that we need to value experiencing God with this corporate worship experience. It's awesome and great and necessary. And yet it's not enough that we need to follow Jesus out and do life together. And one of the methodologies that we think is effective in that is through small groups. And so I just wanna encourage you once again, Get involved in a small group. It means the world to others, and it means what God wants for you to follow him, and he, he gives you that methodology there, and uh, it's, it's super effective. So we just encourage you to be involved with those small groups. And then the, the last part of that, serve others. Stay tuned, because at the end of our message today, you'll see how that the Bible actually tells us in Acts chapter 6 how this plays out in the story of the local, local church. So Acts chapter six is where we're going to be this morning. And if you're just joining with us, possibly today's first time you've been, uh, been here in a while, um, we are in the middle of a series called The Story Continues. This is significant because we believe that the Bible is the authoritative, uh, infallible word of God. That if the Bible says it, we should take heart and listen to what the Bible says and follow what it says to do. And Acts is a book that basically tells us the launch of the early church. It's not just a historical look, however. It's a, it's a, it's a rule book. It's the guidebook for us in that this story it continues. How many of you are grateful for that, that you are in the same line as when we read the, the Apostle Paul and Peter and the great works, and Jesus himself said, greater things that you've seen, greater things that I've done, you will do if you follow me in this, this process and the story continues. That's daunting, yes, but he also gives us the tools to play that out in the spirit of God in our lives. So this story continuing is really Really a big deal. So Acts chapter six is where we're going to see this story continue today. Do you guys know what today is? It's the official day. Actually, Thursday started it, but today is something very significant. Did you know that today, you guys are looking to, what is today? What is today? September 11th. Yes, we remember and, and that, but I'm going a different direction with this, this question today. It's the start of football season. Yeah. You guys are a little bit more enthusiastic about that than the early service. The early service was like, just, just preach the word, John, you know, and whatever. But I, it's the start of football season. And let me just say this before we go any further. Thank you that you are a gracious and loving people, that you have not given me too much of a hard time about yesterday and the poor showing that my Texas A&M Aggies had against a school from the great state of North Carolina. And some of you watched that game, and most of you, I'll say it like I said at the early service, because I said I'd say the same thing today, because the guilty party is in the room here. Most of you were very gracious to me in, in my loss. That uh, and I, My wife and I both went to Texas A&M, and most of you were very gracious. Most of you are very kind. Sanctification still has a process, and Jim Bishop, we're still praying for you, sir. So... <laughs> I'm teasing. 
I laughed so hard. Jim shot me a little text that was actually pretty funny. He said, uh, he sent Texas A&M logo and he said, North Carolina, we've got an app for that. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. You, you did well. Let's start a football season. Can I just use a football metaphor to get us going here today? You'll, you'll understand where I'm going here in a minute. I love watching football. I love sports. And some of you guys are getting to know your, your, your pastor here a little bit. You say, man, you talk about golf a lot. Now you're going to football. Yeah, it's football season. Why wouldn't you, right? So in football, it's just like I, I love watching. I never actually played football, but I'm, I'm like a really good fan, right? So I, I love to watch football. You know, Cowboys play tonight. We're going to have intercession prayer all day for the Cowboys. Cowboys, because this is our year. By golly, it's going to happen. Yeah, I said every Cowboys fan any, everywhere. But I, I love football. Here's what I hate about football. I hate the prevent defense. Have you, do, you under, do you know what the prevent defense uh, is? And if you don't, let me just explain it. Here's what the prevent defense is. And there's a lot of different variations. But it's kind of this model that a lot of coaches use that when they get a big lead, like they're up by 30, 40 points, right? They're doing well. They're winning. Things are going well. The offense has been cranking. Things are going good. And they slip into a prevent defense. In other words, they stop being aggressive and they kind of just sit back and say, we'll give you 5, 10, 15 yards. We're just not going to let you have the big pass because we're up so much that we're going to shift our game plan and really focus on defense rather than offense, and we're going to prevent you from taking the lead. Now, you guys that have watched football and some of you that are in this room understand that a lot of times what takes place is that aggressiveness of a team shifts into this prevent mode, and the opposing team takes advantage of that and starts whittling away at the, 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 the lead, and then the yardage is getting, it's crazy. And every time that you see a, a coach kind of go into that prevent defense mode, it always causes me grief because like, oh, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep being aggressive. Keep going forward. It's worked for you thus far. Don't sit back and, and go into this prevent mindset. And it happens, it seems like, all the time. And I know I'm making a generalization because sometimes, obviously, they still win. But I just hate watching teams shift in their approach and go into this prevent mindset. You say, how in the world does it have to do with Acts chapter 6? Well, we're going to see because in Acts chapter 6, there is this, this incredible picture of the early church who at the beginning, at the launch, man, they were winning. There were things happening. We've seen in the last couple weeks, if you haven't been with us, go back and listen and you'll see some stories about thousands being added to their numbers daily. And there was this winning posture and mentality that God was blessing. It was just a, a moment of this, this great synergy in the church, and there comes these times and seasons, even when winning, that the, the enemy obviously understands it and, and p- presents attacks. And he does, he does just this in Acts chapter 6, and so much so, there's an incredible statement in the first verse of Acts chapter 6 that we're going to focus on uh, for, for what I believe God wants to share with us here today. And it's in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. My commentary added to this version, right? From the NLT, it says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, as the Cowboys were up by 30 at halftime, right? As App State was up by, no, they just killed them. I can't, I'll get over it. It'll take me a while, but I'll get over it, whatever. But as the believers were rapidly, that they rapidly multiplied, they were winning. Things were going well. 
there were rumblings of discontent. In the middle of a season of forward movement, there still was this, there, there was this atmosphere that, that Luke, in writing this, you remember we talked about Luke, the author of Acts, he was very concerned with the specificity of his, his account of this story. This must have been something that rose to the level of deserving airtime in his retelling, right? He said, in the middle of this rapid multiplication that there were still these rumblings of discontent. And can I tell you today, church, that in the middle of our seemingly um, times of winning and things being, being good and, things, and, and God adding to numbers and small groups being birthed in different places and, and us celebrating through kingdom builders, different momentum and things going forward, that God, God uses that and that's it's incredibly positive. And yet in the middle of that, the enemy sees an opportunity if a church goes into a prevent defense and says, wow, we are winning there's an opportunity for the enemy to come in and expose areas in the church. And many times he uses these, this idea of division or discontent or, or angry or bitterness or just different things that, that come into the church. He's been doing that for many, many years. He's been doing that throughout history. As the church and people start going forward, the enemy uses influences, whether it be through people or through the church themselves, wrestling in, in between ourselves to, to, to divide and conquer. And when you see this phrase, discontent, it's the, the meaning behind it. And as they begin to retell what God was doing or what, what was happening in the church and what the enemy was attacking, it, it has the connotation of this Latin phrase, divide et impera, and I'll probably mispronounce that. Don't, don't, don't stick there. But what it means is this, to split the opposition so that it ceases to threaten your own power. This is what the enemy was doing to the early church. He was using this tactic of dividing so that he could, and in, in, in his mind, the intent was to conquer, divide and conquer. He's been doing that all through history. There's, there's times when we see leaders being, being led of the enemy, led of, of the devil and to, to disrupt and to cause areas of division. We see quotes from, from leaders, very negative leaders, right, that would say things. Machiavelli says this, one who deceives will always find those who allow themselves to be deceived. There's willing participants in the deception, right? I give ear to, I'm a willing participant. Another leader from our history in the world, incredibly negative, and yet Hitler said this, our strategy is to destroy the enemy, which was us, from within, to conquer him through himself. This idea of dividing and conquering is not a new premise. It's not a new principle. The enemy started it back in Acts chapter 6. In fact, he started it way back in the garden, right? To, to sit, have this division between Adam and Eve and their creator. This, this tactic of division is still there. So for us here in this local expression of the, the body of Christ, we would do well to look at this verse, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. The believers, they were rapidly multiplying, and yet there were rumblings of discontent. So today, we have an opportunity to say, how can we identify and fight against 
some of these divisions that do arise in the church. You say, Pastor John, this is kind of a heavy word. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and yet, it's a wise thing for us to recognize the, the tactics of the enemy, not to dwell on them and give him credit or whatever, but, but they're real. These are things that really happen. And if we are going to be about a healthy church that is, is continuing the mission and vision of God in this community, then, then today is an opportunity for us to say, hey, let's be aware of some sources of division that could creep up in the church and in our own families and in our lives. So if you're taking notes today, I've got seven points that are, we're going to go real briefly through. We're going to have a, a, a topic here and then a scriptural verse there that you can write the reference down and look at that later. I'll read it to you. Um, but we're going to just kind of have an assessment today on potential sources of division in the church. Number one is pride. Pride is one of those things that we think is, that we, that we look at and we say, oh, that's, that's really um, um, ugly and, and it's really extreme. And boy, I'm sure glad that I'm not proud. And, and yet when we, when we make statements like that, we really do have a tendency to, to have this over-evaluation of our merit and our goodness that before long we realize that we've become proud defending the fact that we're not proud, right? Let me put it to you this way. As moms and dads, we, we see this in, in the flesh of our kiddos when they're growing up. You guys have had kids, you know it's, it's mine, mine, mine. Everything's mine, and I just need my needs taken care of, and, and I need this, 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 and we have this inward focus. Pride is simply that. It's self-centeredness. It's ego. It's, it's, it's I, I really am concerned about my needs, and I really need you to focus on that. Now, I understand as kiddos, we have to learn and develop that humility, and that's as moms and dads, it's our responsibility to teach that, that principle, but our flesh really wants to, to, to err on the side of pride. And I'm telling you this right now, church, this is not something you don't know, but it's a reminder of us. Pride will kill a church. Pride will get in and we all begin to think about ourselves and we all begin to think about how our needs can be met. And before long, our vision statement is not experience God, follow Jesus, serve others. It's experience God, follow Jesus, and wow, I'm so glad I'm served, right? And we shift the vision and mission and we go into, wow, this is so great, awesome. We're gonna go into this prevent mindset and we really get focused on that and the enemy will use that and pride, it creeps in, it creeps in. Paul understood this. In fact, he warned the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter two, verse three, he says this, don't be selfish, Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Can we make that our posture today? They say, well, there's a negative pride, but here's the positive. We just think of others. We, we, we serve other people. I love the stories that we hear so many times in different ministries here at the church. We, we have so many great examples of, of the, the um, serving mentality of this church and yet, when we have that, men, that, that, that attitude of, that, like, man, we've we got it all going, let's not slip into prevent defense. Let's keep serving others so that we don't allow pride to sneak in into our midst. Number two, spiritual and emotional immaturity. Spiritual and emotional immaturity. Paul says to, in the, the church in Corinth, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Dear brothers and sisters, 
Don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. In other words, don't dwell on the evil. Don't, don't just, just be innocent as, as babies. In other words, just don't focus there. But be mature in understanding matters of the Lord, matters of this kind, in the context he was talking about, matters of the church. Be intentional about your growth and development and your spiritual maturity. Can I say this? Our spiritual maturity is not dependent upon just the number of years that we've been attending church. That is not what makes you spiritually mature. It is becoming more like Jesus. It is following him. It is getting into his word and allowing his word to, to, to pierce the, the, the inner areas of your life and, and, and cause you to, to grow and develop and wrestle with the deep things of God. You need each other to help you on that journey. That pride and spiritual immaturity so many times go hand in hand. It's easy sometimes to identify some people that have that immaturity about them because they're also proud and they think they're not immature, right? It just kind of goes hand in hand. You need people in your life that can say to you those tough things that help you grow and develop. We needed it as children. We still need it as moms and dads. That's why small groups are a big deal. This past week, I had the opportunity to be with some of my friends that that uh, we went up to Hanging Rock State Park and we did some camping and just sitting around and talking as, as, as men, as men of God that were helping each other grow. Sitting around the campfire one night, we posed the question on a couple different conversations, but this particular night, we posed the question, we said, hey, are there areas of my life, and each of us kind of took turns, are there areas of my life that are weak spots or that are areas of concern that you see in me that I need to do better in? That's a tough question, right? Like we should have people in our lives that have the, the right, that we've given them the right to speak into us about those areas. And, and yes, my wife has that right and we need to have other people as well. It was just, it was, it was a little bit painful, right? I'm gonna be all right. I'm just still, but it was it's pain, but good, but good. Spiritual and emotional immaturity can cause division in the church. I, I beg you, just as Paul, brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding, but be mature. Number three, change and inflexibility, sources of division in the church. Wise leaders look for an opportunity, look for the opportunity in change. But divisive or people that are, are prone to division are really inflexible. Wise leaders, wise people in the body of Christ, wise people in a family, look for an opportunity in change. Matt, uh, Pastor Tiffany and Matthew are standing here, and, and you understand the emotions involved with moving, and especially when you've been close to family for so long, and so it's, it's, it's tough. And yet I'm so proud to be able to... Um, partner together with a man and woman of God that see the opportunity and change, that have said, you know what, we'll follow God's voice and we'll be obedient to that, even though it causes opportunities for my kiddos to cry when grandma and grandpa aren't there. Because long down the road, our, their kiddos will recognize a mom and dad that have heard from God and were not opposed to change and were flexible when the voice of God spoke to them. That's a big deal. Let us be a church that when God speaks, 
we listen and we obey even when it causes us, us to change. Can I just disarm you for a minute to say that we all, every person in this room, we all are resistant at some level to change. You say, oh no, Pastor John, I love change. I love mixing it up. Yes, you do if you're the instigator of the change. But when that change is inflicted upon us, we all do it. I I do the same thing. We've we've done different personality tests and all these different things, some of the tools that you use. And for those of you that are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram (laughs) 8. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's tough, right? And change is tough. And, but I like to change when I'm instigating change. But when it's forced on me, oh, it's a little bit tough. I can just tell you this. As a church, we're walking through changes. As the big C church, as the church of, of the living God across this nation, we've walked through a lot of change. We've changed from everybody being in the house to having to be used to the people online. You're joining us online. We value you. You're a part of the family. And it's this change. It's this different idea of ministry that, that if we're inflexible, there's divisions that can come. You've had to change in, in being here at a, at a church. Many of you have been here so many more years than, 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 than Kim and myself. We're new to the church, and you've had to change with a new pastor. And that's tough. I understand it. I get it. Pastor David, the former pastor, we talk all the time, and he asked me, Pastor John, how, how are things going? Are the people still loving you? I said, yes, Pastor David, you've trained them well. They're, they're, they're just great, and, and he, we have fun. We're, we're dear friends. I love the man to death, and we talk all the time about you. Does that scare you? It should. So no, it's, but I love it. It's, it's change. It's, it's what God has for us in different seasons, and none of you have, have at least publicly griped that I wear white shoes sometimes and not brown shoes. I don't know, you know, whatever inflexibility, Kim's saying, stop, Pastor John, go on, stop meddling there or whatever. But change is, and sometimes it, it represents itself in division that are just, just crazy things that we get upset about so many times, change and inflexibility. Let me leave you this phrase and let you kind of understand how we deal with change. This is really good. You should write this down. In essentials, in the word of God and the, 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 the authority of the word of God and the spirit of God leading us, we will have unity. We will always be on the same page there. We will be a unified church in the essentials. In non-essentials, we're gonna have liberty. We're gonna have freedom. In those things that are, that are style-related and, and, and flavor and taste, we're gonna have liberty. Now, obviously, in the context of, of the biblical standards, we're going to uphold and, and be right online on this. That's why I love the different expressions of worship that you'll see here at Calvary Church. There's times when my flesh, Pastor Clayton said it earlier about sometimes we just need to, to, to be intentional in our posture and our worship. But there's times when I come into church and I just don't feel like it. And yet I say to my flesh, flesh, God is still on the throne and he is still worthy no matter what you feel like. Worship the Lord because he's worthy. And what I have found in my life is that when I allow that, that decision to, to dictate my flesh, then my emotions will follow my decisions. 
And my decisions will end in that liberty. That's why I love the church here, and that we have liberty in worship. And quite honestly, there's sometimes when, when I don't feel like, but, but then that's usually when you'll see me standing over here, and that's usually when I'll just kind of go, okay, all right, whatever. Because you know what? I'm like flesh. You need to be in subject here to what is right because the Lord is still on the throne and he's worthy of my worship and I will worship him no matter what. And that's just good. That's right. We need to be in that in non-essentials liberty. I love the fact that you have freedom to worship. In non-essentials worship, if you feel like coming to kneeling, that's great. If you feel like going to the back and walking in patience, that's phenomenal. That's great. In non-essentials, we're going to have liberty. In ministry styles, you say, Pastor John, I'm not sure about small groups. That's okay. That's all right. I'm not sure about these groups that are meeting a different. That's okay. It's great. It's non-essentials liberty. We're going to follow Jesus and do that. We're going to make sure the message is sacred. The the essentials will have unity. In non-essentials, we're going to have some liberty And we're going to follow Jesus and see what God's doing. But in everything, in all things, charity, love. In all things, we're going to do it with love. Because why? Because God is love. God is love. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. When that is not present, uh, present, present in our church, then change and inflexibility and division arises. Number four, abuse of power. Ooh, he said, Pastor John, you're getting heavy this morning. Yeah, that's, it's kind of the, the word. It's where Acts took us, so that's where we're going. Um, abuse of power. Good leaders do not view leadership, whatever role, whether it's pastor or associate pastors or different things, small group leaders here, good leaders do not view leadership as a seesaw. In other words, I do not view as leadership. If I'm up, you've got to be down. Good leadership is not about a seesaw. Well, if I'm down here, it's because the, the, the others are here. So I've got to correct that. And I've got to, no, 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 no. It's not a seesaw at all. In fact, Jesus walked through that with a couple of his disciples when they were asking, hey, will you, whatever you do, that's, you know, Jesus, we, we're here, we're serving. But when you get to heaven, would you let us sit on your right hand and left hand? Because we want the, the position there. And Jesus kind of rebuked him in that. And in Mark's gospel in the 10th chapter, I'm going to read it to you. You can write it down the reference. It says this, among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For the son, even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why on the pastoral staff here at the team, you'll, you'll hear us say this all the time and that our job as leaders is not necessarily to do everything. Our job is to serve, is to help all of us find opportunities to serve other people. But we as leaders and you as leaders in your particular context, your job is just to follow Jesus and be like Jesus. And he said here that he himself came to serve and to serve others. That's that's right from, from, from his mouth that says his is his purpose, his, his goal. We should be the same. Abuse of power says, I gotta go up, so you gotta go down. No, 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 that's not Jesus' leadership. And when you have that abuse of power, there can be divisions in the church. Number five, 
Church politics, that's an interesting statement, right? You say, oh, there's no political things in the church. Well, there's people, aren't there? <laughs> and so there's probably going to be that political type thing. You know, that, that shouldn't scare us. It should make us aware that anytime there are people involved in some things, that there, has a, there can be a tendency for the enemy to use that as an angle in to say, hey, you, you need to follow this person or you need to follow that person and, and have your kind of the camps that are, that are here. And can, can I just beg you to fight against that? That's why vision is so important. Experience God, not Pastor John, Pastor Tom, Pastor Keith. Anyway, that Experience God. Follow Jesus, not any type of program or ministry, but you follow Jesus and you serve others If we do that, then we fight against the particular area of division that sometimes through the the political view or the personality-driven posture that can can creep in. We have to fight fight against it. And church, that's why you hear me say all the time the vision and mission, because we've got to keep it forefront of our mind. And if we don't, we end up playing the prevent defense. And we end up saying, wow, we're winning, things are great, Let's just kind of kick back here. No, no, let's follow vision and mission and keep going forward because in the absence of that, 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 that aggressive and forward motion, the enemy comes in and, and puts seeds of division there. Paul says to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, under this umbrella of church politics, this is an incredible verse. Please listen. It says, I appeal to you. Paul's saying it with this yearning. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. That's a pretty clear statement. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And then he says this way, he gives really specific examples. He calls out people. He says, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Well, others are saying, I follow Apollos or I follow Peter. And then some of the super spiritual ones, they say, well, I just follow Jesus. And Paul was saying to them in the same way that we can sometimes do in the church, we can say, well, I have, I have this particular style or flavor. I like the way they say it or I like the way they say it. And we divide and we allow these things to be, be, be sources that the enemy uses when we play this prevent defense to come in. And I'm just telling you today that Calvary Church, we need to be aware. Not that, please understand, if you're visiting today, you, you would be incorrect if you would say, well, man, there must be problems in this church. No, no, it's exactly the opposite. It's just the mentality that things are going great. And so it's in those moments, even like Acts 6 that said there were rumblings, that we should deal with them and make sure that we're on the offensive and not on the defensive. Are you with me? All right, we're about 30%, so I've lost about 20%, but that's all right. We'll get you back in a minute. It's tough. It's tough. It's God's word, but it sometimes is tough. Number six, sources of division in the church, personality differences. All right, here we go. We only got two left, so I got I to gotta finish strong here on these two. This is a tough one. Because it's, it's, it's real. It kind of gets right up in our, our, our lives, so to speak. And we say, oh, Pastor John, you don't, you don't know about that, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. So just, uh, what, but, but the truth is that because we are people, because we live in a fallen world, because we have flesh 
And because we wrestle with becoming more like Jesus, and it's not always easy, and because sometimes we're going to do things that, that offend each other and that cause each other to, to bristle and, like, ah, you made me angry with that. Like, I, I'm going to have to apologize three times to Jim Bishop for, for my whatever, you know, that kind of, it, it's, we do things and it's just those things that kind of rub at each other. I know all the husbands and wives in the rooms, you never have that experience, right? You guys just walk around, it's raindrops and gumdrops and rainbows all the time. I get it. I so for those of you that are less spiritual like me, right, you, you have to, to wrestle with sometimes our personality differences. Can I just pull the curtain back a little bit to say your pastor and his wife, we still have heated conversations, not heated and like ungodly, but we wrestle with things. And I've got a very driven wife, right? Like she, and I love her because that we, we make each other better in that. And that's incredible. And I, I don't shy away from that at all. She makes me better. I make her better. And that's good. And that's how we deal with personality differences and we become more like Jesus. And that's awesome. We in this church, we should do the same thing. You say, well, well, Pastor John, well, how do we deal with personality differences? Well, some of you um, have thought that somewhere in the Bible, uh, I shouldn't say it kind of pointing fingers. I'm just saying we. I'm not saying individual. But sometimes we think that if we've been wronged or if if we take the King James Version, if we have ought against our brother, right, if somebody has done us wrong, we think that our posture should be, I'm not going to talk to them, but I'm really going to blast them on Facebook. And say, oh, Pastor John, that never happens. Look through your your threads. And when was the last time you um, did not receive the service that you felt like you were entitled to at a restaurant or a a store or whatever? And why is it that our first response is when these differences come up that we think it's a God-honoring thing to blast somebody because of an injustice that was an injustice. I'm saying that sarcastically. That was done. Can I just encourage you, church? Don't do that. Pray for that person, love them, and shower them with the love of Jesus. The Bible says the goodness of God will lead men to repentance, not you're blasting them on Facebook. All you're doing in that, yeah, (laughs) there you go. That's a small business owner clapping right there. That's what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, I've seen, I've seen it from pastors sometimes too, and I'm just like, oh, it makes me cringe when we think that our personality differences, the methodology of the solution should be to publicly blast you say, well, I'm just, I'm just trying to help them become more like Jesus. Well, if that's really your, your, your honest desire, then I encourage you uh, to, to take a look at, at possibly maybe doing what the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says this, if another believer sins against you, this is talking about like people in the church, right? The ought thing. If somebody wrongs you, here's the process. If another believer sins against you, I love these next two words, go privately. Go privately, yeah, and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you've won that person back. And it goes on to tell the process, if that doesn't happen, there's a resolution. But I am so glad that the Bible doesn't just leave that to our own flesh to figure out. But I just want to encourage you, church, things are going well. We're not going to play prevent defense and allow personality differences to come in and cause division in the church. We're going to handle things biblically. We will be a church that understands and recognizes sometimes the enemy attacks. And we're going to fight against these things with biblical principles and understanding. Number seven, 
causes and sources of division in the church, unclear authority. Unclear authority. We could do a whole teaching on this. I don't have time to do this. We're gonna conclude here in just a minute. Pastor Clayton's gonna come and help me conclude, but this is really important for you to understand. And I, I wanna just kind of tiptoe into this just for a few seconds and say this, that when you read through Acts and when you read through the, the rest of the entirety of the story of God, when you see the, the establishment of the church, here's what it is not. It is not a, a reflection of this democracy where majority rules. It is not an, an organization. The bride of Christ, as the Bible calls this church, is not a, an organism, an organization even that is, that is, well, we should just vote on everything and we should just, just make sure it's not a democratic process. You say, well, that just talked about abuse of power. Whoa, whoa, time out. What are you doing here, Pastor John? If you read through scripture, you got to understand that the, the church, if, if it could be described in any way that we would think it's more of a theocracy, that, that God is the head of the church and he puts people that are called of God to hear from his voice and then to lead in that process. And sometimes we, especially in the Western church, we kind of push against that because we've been taught this, this democratic way and we've got all you know, representation and voice. And when you read through scripture, that's not a healthy church. A healthy church is, is, is led by the spirit of God. And then men and women of God who hear God's voice and lead I'm so glad that Moses didn't come off that mountain and say, okay, guys, let's vote, see what we should do next. I'm so glad that Joshua didn't say, hey, what do you guys think? What do you think about walking around the city a couple times and blowing a trumpet? What, can we vote on that? No, it's led by men and women of God who hear from God's voice and walk in that, that presence and leadership and have the posture that they would say, I will be the lead follower. I will hear from Jesus. I will follow him. I will serve greater because when I serve, I reflect the heart of Jesus and that gives me the leadership position. Not me personally, but us when we lead. When we serve others, we can lead. Unclear authority is when people kind of, well, who's in charge here? Can I tell you this? And part of the reason I told Kim between services, part of the reason I tied myself to the stool today because it was a little bit of a hard word and I I just understand the heaviness of it. And I just wanted you to hear kind of my heart and compassion. And just, if we could all be sitting in my living room, it was kind of what I wanted to feel today. Church, when I talk about this particular source of division, can I tell you the very first point of attack that the enemy has for this one here? It's right here. I just want you to know that this pastor sits in, 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 in my office at the house, in my office at church, and my heart just weeps because I say, Jesus, please, create in me a clean heart, oh God. This is not from a posture of, of saying, boy, I'm, in, I'm on top of flow church. No, 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 no. I want this to be a healthy church so much that I know that when there's unclear authority, the enemy sees that and he goes in and he, and he's, and he starts making points of division. And this person over here, they, well, I'm in charge. This being, oh, I'm in charge. Ah. And it all, and Paul said it, I follow Peter, I follow Apollos and all this stuff. And we will not be that church. 
We will be a church that has, has a, a leader that says, I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's voice so strongly that I can stand in front of you and say, we better be, be careful. We will not play prevent defense. We will not just sit back and say, man, offerings are great. I said something to Pastor Tom just a minute ago, and i got to be honest. I looked around and said, Pastor Tom, there's a lot of empty seats that I'm seeing. What's, man, it, it discourages me sometimes. i got to be honest. And there's this, these moments, and, and, and yet in the middle of that, it's not a moment for us to say prevent defense. No, it's to say we're going to go forward, and we're going to serve others, and we're going to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because their very souls are dependent upon that. And when we talk about unclear authority, it's not about a personal authority. It's about the God of the universe sits on the throne. He sits on the top of the flow chart of this church, and we will be those that lead by following him. And that's what the clear authority means. It's not about a person. It's about us as leadership saying we will hear God's voice and we will follow him and do just what he calls us to do. That's why the last couple weeks you've heard so much about this idea the story continues. It's not just a cute little saying. It's about us saying, hey, we will be a part of the church. We will lead in that. We will not allow division to come in here. And we will take our part in this story. Continue. Why is that so important? Well, the last part of chapter 6 of Acts, it says, as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. And we just really went deep on how we can fight against that. And here's what happened. It said the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. The programs are not meeting my needs. I'm all this stuff. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Be careful that you do not hear that and say, wow, that means Pastor John thinks he's too good to serve. That's exactly the opposite. All of these needs are are effective and good and right. It's just us recognizing where God's placed us in our parts and responsibility. That's why you should be involved in ministry because God wants to fulfill his call on your life and your assignment is different than mine and that's okay. And so they got to this point and they said this. They said, so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. And everyone liked this idea. Wow, that's a great business meeting, right? When everybody liked the idea and they chose the following, Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. Faith. It's an interesting statement. It wasn't a church person. It was a convert too. That's pretty cool that a new person came in and found their position of leadership. These seven, in fact, if you go through and do studies, most of these names here of Greek origin, which means they were new into the body. And that's, that's pretty awesome that, that God would allow a new um, influx of leadership. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And as a result of the early church not playing prevent defense and being dis- and discouraged in that, but recognizing the enemy's plans there, then this is what happened. So God's message continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. 
That's a church that understands and recognizes the tactics of the enemy and, and fights against it. Main idea, here we go. This is what I want you to get with. Divisions result when a church plays defense and does not pursue mission. We will not be that church. We will not be that church. Will you stand with me all over this building? I know that the message uh, today from Acts chapter six is a little bit different. It's challenged even this morning, uh, preparing uh, in the, uh, the time beforehand this week to really focus on the, the, uh, the outward expression of that where they, they release people into ministries and there's a great message there about being involved in ministry. And boy, I just pray the Holy Spirit would speak that to you. But really felt led to just focus on that. Even in the midst of winning, there were rumblings of discontent. And let's be aware of those things so that they don't get root here in, in this church and in our lives. That's really important. In just a minute, we're gonna receive communion. And uh, I think it's a significant time for us to do that at the end of this, because boy, it's really hard to be at the Lord's table with your brothers and sisters and, and have a rub there against them. And so I just believe that if there are those, those things that you've allowed the, the beginning of any source of division to come in between you and somebody in this church, maybe it's a family member that you need to text them and say, hey, can we talk, have coffee? Boy, recognize that, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and fix it and get it right, that there would be no source of division. When we come to the Lord's table, it's kind of a unique opportunity for us, just like Jesus did with his disciples. He knew that a big change was about to come, that he was about to go to a cross and they were about to see him crucified and risen from the grave. And this story was about to continue in their lives. And it was a moment for them to recognize that as a, as a pushing forward into it. In fact, Paul, when he um, was, was in this, this time of re- recollecting what was taking place there, he instructed the, the church in Corinth and he said this, he said on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and gave thanks to God for it and he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. The Bible talks on in that passage and through different passages about communion that really the only qualifications about receiving communion is that you have accepted Jesus as your savior. You don't have to be a member of the church. You just have to have Jesus in your life. And if you're here in this room today, and you say, well, I've never done that, and you feel like that God is drawing your heart to that decision, well, we would love to pray together with you for that very thing. And if you're joining with us online, there will be a link that pops up. You can click on that and connect there with the online campus pastors. We'd love to pray together with you as well. But the prayer that that saves us is simply a prayer that says, Jesus, I am sorry for my sins. I know that my life is is a part is, is separated from you because of that sin in my life. And the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short, and yet God allowed his son to pay the price for those sins. And a prayer of salvation just says, God, I'm sorry for my sins. 
forgive me. I accept the gift of forgiveness that you purchased through your son. I accept that forgiveness and I choose to put my life in in submission to you and live for for you from this day forward. We're gonna pray together in just a moment. And if that's you and you say, I need to make that decision, I just wanna join together with you and we're gonna pray and then we'll receive communion. Church, will you bow your heads, close your eyes online as well. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that needs to pray that prayer, I pray that you would just, just, just really make yourself real to them through your spirit today. And Father, we join our hearts together with them and we say of ourselves that we've all fallen short. God, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross. I accept your forgiveness and I choose to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we read in Corinthians there that Paul said the same, that that night Jesus did. What an incredible moment for us to remember. I'm gonna ask you, you just take the bread on that cup there in front of you, hold it in your hands, and just take a moment and be grateful for his sacrifice that he gave for us. We sang the songs earlier of our attitude of gratefulness, and thank you, Lord. Father, today I thank you for your son. I thank you for the gift that you gave in him on the cross. Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Thank you. Amen, amen. Take the bread with me today. Cup that you have there with the juice inside of it just represents the blood that Jesus shed for for us. So God, I pray right now that as we hold this cup as a reminder of the blood that was shed, God, let us us never forget the power that's in the shed blood of your son. Father, I thank you for allowing your son to go to that cross and take my sins, purchase them with blood, my sins, and you, you purchased my restoration and my healing on that cross. I'm grateful, I'm grateful. Help us to remember, amen. Take the cup here, church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Will you just close your eyes and thank him today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come forward and join me at the front as we conclude today. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, that prayer that you prayed just a minute ago about Jesus coming into my heart, I, that's the first time I've ever prayed it or I prayed it again afresh and anew today for the first time. We've got some men and women that'll be up here at the front that would love to join our hearts together with you and just just pray together with you for that continued faith. The reason why that's so important, church, and those of you that may be visiting, the reason why even we do it at the end is so that you can, can, can come and not feel awkward or anything like that. I get it. Sometimes we you know, kind of resist that, but we really just want to do life together with you. And these prayer partners are up here. They're going to pray together with you, and they're going to ask you that if you filled out that Connect card. The reason why that's important is so that we could just continue our communication with you. We don't want this just to be a quick prayer and say, okay, now we're done. No, now we're just beginning. Now we're just beginning. We want to do life together with you, and it's really important. 
Some of you may be here and you say, I just need prayer for an area of, of, of need in my life. Maybe it's a physical need or a financial need. We'd love to pray together with you as well. That's what a healthy church does. That's why, how we fight against division in the church. And we can continue to be rapidly multiplying, right? When we focus on vision and mission, and God can do a great thing. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you in your coming and going. And may you be a reflection of God's grace in this community, in the triad, and in your families, in places of employment, in all the places you go. May you just shine great God's grace in all those places. God's, God bless you. You may be dismissed. Thank you. You guys have a great week. Come forward. We'd love to pray with you if you'd like that as well.